I feel like a monkey, you know. The files are in the computer. My uh, my mom had a monkey growing up on her farm. Did it throw poop? It, I, I heard. I think so. Yeah. Residential. It, yeah, it was like a, spy, it was a spider monkey. His name was Jojo. That's a great. And she said he'd run around. <laughs> their farm and stuff they, they'd put them in like this bike on an old schwinn and ride them around like that's awesome <laughs> the front yard. she was telling me this was, I love I was it. cracking up dude i love that uh, fortunately jojo would get jealous though and he bit one of the sisters when her hair was getting braided <laughs> whoa not yeah. good jojo <laughs> go to the backyard jojo <laughs> you're done jojo <laughs> you just lost your treat for the afternoon no snacks <laughs> can you imagine dude, something like that running around at that's hilarious. Okay. Fun well, and scary at the same time. We'll get off the JoJo and on the MLO. That's <laughs> the best I could do. You are either watching or listening to MLO. Of course, I'm your boy, Addy Nett, and I've got the main man, CC Casey Carpenter, baby. In over a hundred and something episodes, how I never called you CC. Yeah, CC. Uh, there was a point in time where in sixth grade there was three Casey's in the class, so I went by CJ. My middle name's Jordan. So okay, Casey I didn't Jordan. know that either. Yeah, CJ. I just like the CC because it's like emailing. Yeah, I mean CC me. Casey Carpenter should, should be like a NASCAR name though. It know? is. Yeah, You're right next to Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I love. I don't know. I've always called you Carp. Carp yeah, or, or I mean, I like that too. That's fine. It's like all the military guys, you know, when I was Call military, you Carp. Yeah, Carp dance, it's like, yeah, that was my grandpa's. Like, that's what he went by. His name was Ellis, but he went by Carp. Oh, that's a unique name. Yeah, Ellis. Old Ellis. school. When is your birthday again? April 14th, a day oh, yeah. before taxes are due. Oof. It's a rough one. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough week. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say it was closer to now because I was going to transition us into the increase of loan limits. Yeah. So, guys, this there's a couple different layers to this. Number one, I want to just break down all the marketing you're going to see from, like, different banks, different mortgage companies, yeah, probably social media posts, people trying to come up with a razzle-dazzle to get you to <laughs> yeah. like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> you know, happening. I love breaking those down to be complete nonsense. Um, but really, also the difference between a conventional mortgage and a jumbo mortgage. So going back, the loan limits usually increase every year. So there's a certain cap of the amount that the home borrower can actually borrow, like the amount of dollars, yes. right? Which is very important to understand because nine times out of 10, you're gonna do a conventional mortgage, which conventional means conventional guidelines, right? Mm -hmm. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. If you cross over the amount borrowed to the cap, you then are typically looking at what's referred to as a jumbo loan, right? And I also yes. like to call it luxury financing. You know, they're typically reserved for higher sales prices and they have a totally set of guidelines and requirements to qualify for those. Mm -hmm. So current uh, maximums are 726K and some change. But let's say you only have 100,000 you're willing to put in and you can get qualified for any amount. You just make a god awful amount of money. There's no restrictions on your approval based on income. Yeah, nice. Your approval amount is typically going to be the maximum conforming limit plus your threshold you're willing to put down as a uh, down payment, essentially. Yep. So if you have 726 as the cap and you only want to spend or have 100 grand, your budget's 826. 
That's the easy, easy math, yep. right? Now, every year they reanalyze. Hey, where are home prices going? Where are uh, inflation? Big trigger. I was going to ask you, why do they increase, right? Inflation is the biggest one. Yes. Appreciation in the values of the homes. So as they continue to go up, they're going to reevaluate and reassess. Mm -hmm. So usually that happens January 1st, we get the number. But right now, tis the season that there's all this like rumblings, right? <laughs> so the new rumbling is 750 even. Which if we were going back to that story of only being willing or able to spend a hundred grand, you would be bumped up from an eight twenty six to an eight fifty. Yeah. Which can make a big difference. Absolutely can. Here's the thing, guys. So now it's almost end of October. The com mortgage companies know these new limits are coming up, and it's become this trend for mortgage companies to pre-authorize the new limits, which haven't actually been taken into effect until Jan 1. Mm -hmm. And how they do that is they essentially self-fund the loan and retain the servicing, and they won't sell it until the new limits are up. Right. So you'll see a lot of loan officers. Yeah, it's coming. What, like you take this piece of it. What do loan officers typically do oh, this from is, a social media yeah, standpoint? This is going to be the hot and trot social media post. So you're going to see it. it's going to be exciting. They're going to be all hot to trot about it. Like, hey, loan limits have increased. This is going to now allow you to buy that higher priced home. It's going to be great for you. It allows you to borrow more. Maybe you couldn't qualify last year for that, you know, 850 home, and now you can. Or now you at least can get that purchase price, right? Right. But it's put out there a lot like it's going to be in front of your face. You're going to see the marketing advertisements, the social media posts, the flyers, all that stuff. But there is a buyer beware in there mm -hmm. because with lenders <clears throat> allowing us to kind of promote this early before they actually go in place in January, mm -hmm. there's also some some other risk assessments that lenders will put on that. Maybe you're going to see that that pricing now isn't as aggressive maybe as it was before at that lower limb limit, 726 and some change. Mm -hmm. You might now see that 750 have maybe not as an appealing interest rate, or maybe there is additional points or discount costs associated with that rate. So just because the loan limits have increased and yeah, it's fun to say like, Hey, you can get 25 K more buying power or more, uh, loans lent to you, but there is a caveat. You want to check that, right? I mean, it's right. got, you know, you want to make sure that that actual increase of 25 grand in your loan is beneficial to you because the costs mm -hmm. might outweigh that 25 K. Yeah. It, rhymed it. And what we've learned is, <clears throat> so when you go in price alone, it would be a dip pricing means pulling interest rates, right? So if you're exceeding the current limits, which are 726, let's say it's 746, you need that extra little buffer. Yes. The terms of that rate are gonna adjust. So what companies kind of do is they're actually gonna dogpile on more fees. <clears throat> so you might be looking at say 7%, just as an example, for the 726 and under loan at no cost to you, no extra closing costs. But even just going over that limit and they're extending you this new leash, this marketing <laughs> deal, there might be a three, $4,000 cost to allow you to borrow over the limit within this interim period, yeah. right? So. In the end, you really want to look at the fine print. Honestly, it's not worth it if you can pull it off. But when 
it does play a big role is going back to that jumbo or luxury finance. Yep. So one example I recently had is some clients looking at a million dollar home, right? A million dollar home. And they have the ability to go either a 25% down, which would be a 750 conventional mortgage, yep. right? Or they could maybe put 20% down and save 250 or sorry, 50 K out yep. of pocket. The difference in those two approaches are the guidelines from conventional to jumbo. So one example, this is the biggest one, is mandatory reserves or post-close savings, they mm -hmm. call it. So on jumbo loans, <clears throat> they're typically going to require you to have a certain amount of months of the payment totally separate in savings. And this is a risk assessment. They want to ensure like, hey, something happens to you, your job, your physical ability, you're still able to make the payment, right? Yep. Um, and it kind of depends. It depends on the market and it depends on the company that you're doing. But you'll see anywhere from six upwards to 36 payments saved. And that's a crap ton of money if you're looking at like a $5,000 payment. You might not even have that. Yeah. So that's where there is a consideration um, primarily on the reserves. Is the, there are other things. Anything yeah, else I, that come to yeah, mind well, for you? Well, I like, I mean, when I'm explaining it to a client too, like your conventional loan compared to the jumbo loan, it's a, you know, it's an investor back loan. You're kind of now going into that higher level of financing where they're going to check more thoroughly and have, have extra requirements per investors mm -hmm. on that loan. And, and the biggest thing is reserves. So, the way I, you know, will tell clients is reserves is kind of like it's that money they want to see for mortgage payment that we're not using in the transaction. And really, it's kind of this, like if you were to lose your job, crap hits the fan. Mm -hmm. Do you have X amount, six months, 12 months, 18 months, 36 months of mortgage payments mm -hmm. liquid that they can be used to cover that mortgage for the most part? And as you get these markets that shift, and especially like as we've been in the higher interest rate market, like we've talked about, you've seen those reserves go from six months to 12 up to 36 months. And I mean, right. $5,000 for, you know, example here, $5,000 mortgage payment, six months of reserves. $30,000, so right? Money. You know, and not everybody has $30,000 sitting there above and beyond. Let's just say they're hundred grand. They're already using to purchase the house. Right. Yeah. And so you get to that higher level of financing where you don't necessarily see that on the conventional loans. Uh, also with those jumbo loans, they have higher credit score requirements. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, with, a good point. Yeah, that's another good point because sometimes they might require a minimum of a 740 credit score, you know, where, yeah, you, might not have you know, that. conventional loans kind of around a 620 minimum. Yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> I would say, too, just on a positive note, how a lot of people get around that reserve stuff is the 401k IRA is eligible yes. to submit as reserves. And it's, <clears throat> pardon me, it's calculated a little bit differently. So they'll take the vested balance. Yes. So if you're like doing a home check, it's like, well, do I have that? Maybe 401. Open up your 401, your IRA, and look for that vested balance. That is the amount of funds that you actually have full rights to. There's a lot of like employee matters matches that aren't really seasoned or you have to be at the company for X amount of years before you're eligible for that. 
um, look at that vested balance and you typically will get about 75%. So if you have a hundred grand in vested balance, you'll get 75% or 75K added to your reserve bucket. Yeah. So that's how most people do it. I don't want people to like turn off the episode and be like, oh God, like, I won't do a jumbo. <laughs> yeah, well, never you, again. You guys know how we there are, are too. To me, me and Addy are always gonna try to give you guys it directly and straight and not, not kind of give you guys any fugazi answers and stuff like that yeah. out there. We want you to have the real information. A lot of times, you know, reserves are totally doable. Um, you have it in investment accounts, retirement accounts, extra savings, another way clients you know get around that as well as maybe they get a family gift that now they use part of that as their down payment keep some of their money on hand to have for reserves I'm really glad you brought up the gift fund stuff because one thing that's different when you look at a jumbo first and foremost thing it's important if you're shopping and trying to find a really good rate you'll see it's really challenging for the consumer because you just are looking on the internet, you're calling someone who's like, hey, I'm looking for the best jumbo rate in town. However, all these different jumbo rates, unlike conventional, might have different program requirements. Absolutely. So you see, oh my God, this is like a full percentage point lower if I go to CIT Bank comparatively to Wells Fargo. Yep. Just using freaking names for yep. the storytelling. However, CIT might require 50 months of reserves and Joe Schmo in the cubicle has no freaking idea to tell you that. And you might not have that. So you it, it's challenging to look and get an apples to apples comparisons on rate. Um, I spend a lot of time kind of explaining that up front. It's like, look, I might have 10 different jumbo options for you, but your particular financial scenario might only allow us to explore two, yep. sometimes even just one. So lower rate on the jumbo will typically mean the tightest or most aggressive requirements from a guideline standpoint, which conventional doesn't have. Another big yeah. thing, Casey- that's a good, that's a good point <clears throat> and i was talking to the same person last night about it um right now a lot of people don't want to sell their current primary but they might want to upgrade right and they would look to rent out that property because they have like two or three percent interest rate on it right yeah Cash flow now certain point. jumbo programs might have different requirements for the tenure of the rent of the tenant yes. they might require you to have two years of property management experience and tax filings they might allow just a lease agreement with a proof of deposit who knows it's very easy with conventional we can process through off of a lease agreement verify all that documentation you're a good group grand but once again you might see a lot of changes and discrepancies from program to program on the jumbo yeah and like on those you know conventional it's for the most part we have our Fannie or Freddie guidelines we go off of for all of those type of loans right but when you get into the jumbo financing again a great way to put it it's investor back it's per that investor backing that jumbo loan so they might have different guidelines and requirements for each and every jumbo loan out there, right? right? Different credit scores, different reserve requirements, different down payment minimum requirements, right? Um, and the easiest way put is it's just that investors risk tolerance of the market on what's going on. You know, some are willing to give a jumbo loan with six months reserves. Some will give that same jumbo loan, but they require 12 or 18 months reserves. It's just per that investor. And that's why yeah. we always repeat, you want to have that solid mortgage advisor there you're talking with to kind of give you all those options because a person sitting in the cubicle or maybe at the credit union or bank right. that's six months into being licensed and just looking at, hey, application low rate, let's go. Have that financial conversation. Make sure you're looking at it because 
you don't want to go into that. Like if you can't qualify, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Maybe Absolutely. you don't have that cash. Well, just really to circle back to that lease agreement thing, yeah. I, to give more context to it as well, it's important because you might need to execute a lease agreement in order to qualify. Because if you don't have any renters, you're getting hit on your debt to income ratio evaluation with that full payment. So that's bringing that in. Also, you mentioned gift funds. I've seen some Jimbo programs that won't allow gift funds. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes they do. Sometimes it's a lot of reading and shuffling through. Um, the gift fund's a big one. I've seen random Jumbos that don't allow first-time homebuyers. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Absolutely. And um, I mean, you know, why don't we go into the down payment requirements? Because those are different per, yeah. per, per Jumbo loans. And for the most part, uh, the minimum down payment is 10%, I think. Oh, but no one can really get that loan right now. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because <clears throat> back when the economy was rolling, things were good. Everyone was optimistic. The choo-choo train was hollering. Yes, it was. 10% down jumbo, super easy. A lot of people did it. Now, yep. if, you, if anyone tells you that they can do a 10% down jumbo, they don't really know the how the pricing works. Mm -hmm. So right now, anything like under 20% down, it, the rate is like, and I'm not even exaggerating. Let's say the par rate, the normal rate on a jumbo is 8%. Those 10% down jumbos, they're going to be like 12%. Yeah. Absolutely. They're going to be ridiculous. Then you can't even qualify for it. Really, and we were talking about this, you got to go 25% down more on Jumbo. Mm. You really, really do to get a reasonable rate and not pay an astronomical amount in additional closing costs. The 20% down is there, but it's almost about 5% of additional closing costs most of the time to reduce your down payment by 5%. So I tell people, look... <laughs> put it into the, the down payments. So you're not paying interest on it. It's just using money appropriately. Yeah. And you, you see those lenders because of their risk tolerance at that point in time. I mean, a lot of them are going to portfolio this loan, which means, you know, that, that bank or whoever yeah. that loan uh, lender is going to do the loan. They're going to carry, carry the financing. <clears throat> and so you're just, I mean, for those lower down payment options, you know, yeah, it was great when rates were super low, lenders and specifically you know big banks were willing to kind of give those out at 10 percent and not at high rates now it's like yeah we might give you a 10 percent down option but your rate could be doubled what the market is totally so that's awesome i think yeah, we rolled through that was, that was a deeper dive than i thought we did we got into a couple of the nuts and bolts more but the final chapter of this one and i want to keep this short is my thought process as a buyer and let's say you qualify for whatever, you don't have debt to income issues or whatever, you're trying to decide, hey, what should I set myself as a realistic budget? Mm -hmm. So here's, a, I want your feedback on this. We, Kristen and I did this on our last home. So my thought process is always analyze the conventional loan cap and try to purchase something that's just ahead of it. And here's why when, you know, Casey and I do hundreds and hundreds of applications and see financial profiles every year. It's very rare to see somebody that has more than 10% down. It's rare. Yes. You see 20, 30, 40% people that move from California or a fourth time home buyers rolling over a ton of yeah. equity. But if you're looking at the first and second time home buyer space, your average down payment's going to be between five, five and 7% on average probably leaning more toward the five right now. Yeah. It really, really is. I agree. So let's say right now, let's just say we're using the new 2024 limits at 750. So 
if we're like trying to find a little space in the bracket budgets of competitiveness, your most competitive is obviously going to be like 550 up to 750 because everyone qualifies for it. It's a cheaper down payment. But if you start looking in the space of eight to 850, right? It requires you to bring in 10 to 15% down. So the seller then has a dramatically less amount of potential buyers just based off of qualification and cash on hand. So if you're able to stay in the home for three, five years, imagine when you look to sell, the limits will be right in line of 825, 850, and you're going to be in a better position. And that way, when you're buying, you have less competition. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I mean, as a seller, you want to have as, you know, hopefully as many offers as you can, right? I mean, being able to choose from a couple client offers makes it difficult. And it's one of those two where, you know, don't be quick to jump on the train just because the new product came out early, right? It's like the new model car or something like that. There's going to be some kinks and works um, that they need to figure out on those type of loans before they really start getting pretty aggressive for the clients. And number one, too, would always be market of interest rates because you have higher interest rates, you know, just handing out $750,000, it comes with some risk and some costs there up front, too. It's not cheap financing anymore, and especially for a bank to lend on it, right? So that's a, a point. great point. Well, what you're saying reminds me of like when, and I've kind of become. It's like the new model iPhone, right? Right. The new model <laughs> 15 titanium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what you just pinged me in my head is the guidelines piece, because sometimes people can get like super reactive when you tell them a requirement. And yeah. you put it in perspective to your point where you're like, look, like if you were lending someone three quarters of a million dollars, would you have some rules associated with it? <laughs> yeah. It kind of like brings you down to, to, uh, to reality. Yeah, like it. a personal level, level, even with, uh, you know, your cousin. When your cousin's like, man, I just need some money. You're like, well. Well, what's the cousin's name? Timmy? Yeah, Timmy. Timmy, <laughs> Timmy needs some money. And it's like, hey, guess what? We all have family. We all know cousins. And some cousins are better than other cousins, right? So you might lend ten, uh, Timmy, you know, 5K at a certain certain price point, And then you got another cousin that has different qualification factors. So it changes your requirements on your lending. It's a good point. We don't want a red line, though. Everyone gets ECOA fair treatment here. I think it's good. It's it's good conversation. Be just to conclude. Be mindful of like the marketing pieces because you're gonna see TikToks and Instagram reels of like breaking news. Breaking news. Fannie and Freddie just increased the conventional loan limit, and it's like, why are we teetering between mattress world and Radio Shack right now, dude? It's like take a deep breath. But I always like pointing out. It's like the sheep just go running for something to post about all the time. They did that same where they changed some of the down payment options for multifamily recently. And like there were people like straight up who didn't eat loan officers. who didn't even like read the fine print on like the guidelines and the reality of utilizing the situation. They're straight to TikTok and Instagram and put little snips on it. I think, I think it's, you see those guys like there's, advisors and then there's guys that are just sales right and you got it's a new shiny object to sign spinners yeah sign spinners versus the advisor right and at the end of the day you know is loan limits increasing good yes it does help us with these higher price homes with these uh you know economy times that we're in where things just cost more money um but it's just you want to get that proper advice you want to look at that all especially how me and addy would do that um 
just don't be quick to jump on the new train just because it's a new product coming out. Look at all the right. fine details. Try to get the best information. It, it is a revealing irony that in a high interest rate market, a jump from 3% to 8% in a matter of like 16 months or something, right? Mm-hmm. In affordability crisis nationally, we are still increasing the loan limit. And that is a clear demonstration of low inventory, meaning there's such low properties with a mixed amount of reasons, mostly because people don't want to sell and increase their, take on a whole new mortgage and triple their, their payment. Yep. Right. So the inventory is very low and the demand has stayed, you know, flatlined essentially, mm-hmm. but that discrepancy of available products to eager buyers is still creating appreciation that was so many hand movements yeah but it it does it's forcing it so up right i mean as long as you have low inventory in the in the country right Right. and you also have you know even with higher interest rates we still have buyers wanting to buy homes like we've always preached the american dream right you have demand there low inventory and demand keep driving those home prices up and so that's just so funny it's like oh my gosh mortgage applications at a 20-year low rates at a 30-year high oh but guess what we're increasing the loan limits god welcome to america welcome to it baby (laughs) but if you can do it we'll make it happen we'll make it happen for you you know i mean the side side frustrating part too is us being advisors you're seeing a lot of things you know be moved as far as money these days you're seeing you know five billion here to this country 100 billion there to that country all this different stuff but yet i'm just not seeing any billions pumped into the housing inventory i mean i just saw the powerball pop for 1.4 billion a few weeks ago but of course it was a california winner which i think is a scam 100 percent, dude i I got like 20 tickets and all i had 20 and all i hit was the powerball (laughs) number and i won four bucks Oh, wow. I thought I was actually something. I'm like, yeah. You're like, oh. Winner. I'm not a loser, right? You should at least get like a Powerball keychain. Yeah, or something. Like, I hit the number. Not all of them, but the number. the last one, the number. (laughs) That would be fun. That would be fun. (laughs) Well, I think it's a good good walk through those. Once again, guys, if you have any savings, get it in a high interest yielding account. I can't stress that anymore. <clears throat> I think as of today, the national average was 4.3%, guys. If you got a hundred grand sitting at a big bank, not making you anything, they pay you like 0.0001% versus 4.3, that's $4,300 a year. You will be getting paid back to park it there. Mm-hmm. $4,300 a year. That's one or two mortgage payments a year. 100%. That's massive. That's $368 a month, I think. Yeah. It's almost, That's a small car payment. Almost 10% of an average American salary. Take the time. Wait, 10% of, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. like 40, 50 yeah. grand, something like that. Yeah. That was one of those baseball stats where yeah. it's like, Tom Heron has, has a strikeout every time he plays on a Tuesday, the 13th, <laughs> yeah. in the afternoon on an away game. 100%. You know, it's all in the numbers. It's all in the numbers. Why don't you do the outro? Yeah. So, guys, as we always say, though, please, if there's stuff that we're not talking about, please drop us, uh, you know, a message, a comment, shoot it to us. If there's a, you know, a topic of conversation that we have not hit. Let us know. We always want to rip on something new. Or maybe if you got feedback, let us know. Maybe there's too much, 
hand movements going on. Maybe Casey's talking through his nose. Whatever. We don't care. We just want to hear from you. Um, and we're always here as advisors, and we want to give it to you guys uh, straight. We want to give you the real answers. We don't want to sit here and sales, you guys. So, on that note. We will. We will. Check it Check later. Check it later. <laughs> <laughs>